Hello and welcome to the very first episode of the Traveling Layman Show. And here for this introductory episode, I am joined by the author of such books as Gods of the Dark Web, Extinction Peak, and the currently Pandemonium. Did I pronounce that right? Pandemonium. Pandemonium? Yeah. I, I thought you were trying to be, a, you and Ryan Harding were trying to be a bit more clever there, but all right. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, joining me is my longtime friend, great person I love, also extreme horror nerd, Lucas Magnum. Say hi to everybody. Hi, hi. How's it going, y'all? So, let's just dive into it right now, since this is a show about the life and the work of Richard Lehman. How were you first exposed to Richard Lehman's work, and what would you say, like, his work means to you? So, for me, it was, I think, a lot, like, probably similar to a lot of people in our generation where, um, you know, uh, you walk into the horror section at Borders, remember that? Um, and, oh, yeah. uh, and, you know, yeah, there was Stephen King and yeah, there was Dean Koontz, but then you had all these leisure titles, uh, you know, like your Keen and your Ketchum. And, and so, you know, around the time, like 2008, 2010, like in that time when time frame, I was like trying to like read outside the, uh, the King Coons and Lovecraft Bermuda Triangle. And uh, uh, I, I just, yeah, I, I saw Layman had a lot of titles. And so, and the descriptions all sounded like really crazy. So I was like, I've got to dive into this guy. And um, yeah, I mean, he, with, with, with Layman, I mean, what you see is what you get, right? I mean, he is, he's very unpretentious about what he's doing. He's like, I am, I'm writing basically uh b movies in book form and uh you're either gonna love them or you're not gonna love them and since i love b movies i love richard layman <laughs> now for this very first episode i asked you to pick a richard layman book that you wanted to yeah. discuss and you picked dark mountain which <laughs> was a very interesting pick that i thought because um just earlier today i put out on social media just something i was curious about where I asked people, what's your favorite Richard Lehman book or books? And out of the couple dozen or so responses that I got, nobody else mentioned Dark Mountain. Yeah. Why did you pick Dark Mountain of all of the Richard Lehman books out there? So I have a weird history with that book. I had, I um, I remember seeing the back cover copy and reading it um, and thinking, like, this sounds like uh, a Friday the 13th movie, you know, but with like Jason's mom as a witch or something. And, um, you know, and I, and I, and I got it. And for whatever reason, I didn't read it for a really long time. I didn't actually read it until for the first time until, uh, early 2018. Um, it's just one of the things that I like told myself I'd get to and never did. Um, and I read it and I was just like, I don't know, like for Richard Lehman, it's actually pretty tame. Um, and, and it's, uh, you know, for like, and I say that because for the first like 200 pages, almost nothing happens. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah, don't, don't get too more into the plot. Cause I got a lot I want to go over. Okay. All right. That. But all I'll yeah. say is I just, I, I really like it for like, because it's so different to me and I've got, it's so different from his other stuff in a lot of ways. And also I don't know. Like we'll we'll probably jump into more details and talk about like how he talks about it in uh, in layman's terms and stuff and stuff I, I figured out about it from reading that as well. Okay, you know, rereading it for this show and then reading what he wrote about it in layman's um in layman's term. Wait, is it layman terms or a writer's life that is the name of his? Oh, I'm sorry, a writer's tale. Yeah, yeah, a yeah, writer's tale. That's a, I'm sorry, a writer's, writer's tale. tale. In layman terms, yeah, in layman's term was anthology. the uh, the tribute. Yeah, I always get those two swapped around as well. It's really easy to. Now, for anyone watching or listening to this that's unaware of the book, um, the book is Dark Mountain. It was originally published under the title Tread Softly in 1987 in the UK under the pen name Richard Kelly, and the reasoning for that is that layman had a um, contract deal for first exclusive um, first exclusive paperbacks in the United States under the name Richard Lehman, which led to this weird situation where some of his books first appeared in the UK in hardback under the name Richard Kelly. 
And um, Tor, though, did the first American edition in 1992 under the title, um, uh, under the name Richard Lehman. And they had to end up renaming it to Dark Mountain because they apparently had already published a, a romance book under the name Tread Softly. Now, right. I am most familiar with the 2009 Leisure re-release, and I imagine that's where a majority of people, at least people of our generation, uh, first read the book. And mm -hmm. so here, let me, um, I have the back cover copy of uh, what Leisure put on Dark Mountain. So let me read this here real quick. Yeah. For two families, it was supposed to be a relaxing camping trip through the California mountains. They thought it would be fun to get away from everything for a while, but they're not alone. The woods are also home to two terrifying residents who don't take kindly to strangers, an old hag with unholy powers, and her hulking son, a half-brute with uncontrollable violent urges. The campers still need to get away, but now their lives depend on it. So, that does not at all really explain the book in any way. And, and the book is broken into two parts. There's part one and part two. So for the sake of this discussion, I think it'd probably be easiest for us to look at the two parts, you know, one at a time. Yeah. So that description, though, does kind of sum up part one of the book, which is, according to my Kindle, part one is almost exactly 50% of the yeah. book. So it's it's almost two completely separate stories back to back here. So, yeah, um, you said about the Friday the 13th connection, and on rereading it, it definitely gave me really, really heavy, like Friday the 13th, like the first four Friday the 13th yeah. vibes. Very sleazy, people out in the woods, Everyone is so fucking horny in this yeah. book. Now, I know that's true for every Richard Lehman book, but still, reading it, I'm like, man, people are really, really horny in this. Yep, yep. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's not that, that vibe. I even I would even compare it to, um, have you ever seen uh, Jeff Lieberman's Just Before Dawn? Just Before Dawn? I don't believe I have. Oh, dude, it's awesome. It's like this, uh, it was his, like, kind of Friday the 13th movie, but it was... Um, I think it's much better, you know, than Friday the 13th. Yeah. And it's it's just got basically like two twin rednecks kind of, you know, attacking people, you know, just, you know, it's a slasher movie. And I know you're not, you don't totally love slasher movies, but uh, I don't know. It's got a, it's got a cool vibe, cool look. And I was actually kind of like surprised, especially on rereading it here, how, at least in my opinion, how kind of slow the first half of it is. Yeah. We're dealing with two families, um, that are kind of know each other, that the um, the paternal figures in each of the families are both Vietnam vets and they knew each other from their time in service in Vietnam and they remained friends ever since the war and now they are, um, now they're going on this group camping trip and while they're camping, we keep getting flashes during the first half of the book to this, um, this old witch living in a cave and as the back cover said like her hulking half-wit uh son and the, the the witch is doing spells and has some god that she worships which i don't believe in the course of the book unless i miss it is ever actually specified which never reveals no it's just something that's something not christian that she right. is is into and the son essentially doesn't really give a shit uh like the book opens with him uh, murdering and implied raping uh, this couple who happens to be on a camping trip by a lake. But until the exact halfway point of the book, that is the only incident of actual violence for yeah. the first half of the novel is the opening chapter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. <laughs> I like how he, um, you know, he tries to use, uh, he's like, oh, I heard, I heard the God tell me too, you know, like he's like trying to <laughs> like justify what she did, what, what he did, you know, to his mom. So she like approves of it. And she's just like, nah, -uh. like you're just nah, horny. Nah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You just wanted to rape that chick. It's yeah. very, she is not buying it. And, um, also like, unless I'm wrong, the only other, uh, scene with him in the first half of the book is that scene where there is three, attractive college girls that just happen to be camping 
who only pop up in the book very briefly, and then we never yeah. see, and they're never mentioned again, but they're just there for them to go. I don't remember if they're actually naked or not skinny dipping, but knowing Richard Lehman, they probably were in that I'd chapter. I'd say that's a safe bet. <laughs> oh, no, no, that's right. They are, spi- they are explicitly um, naked because it's told from the witch's perspective, and Richard Lehman makes sure that this elderly witch is thinking internally, commenting on the size of the girl's tits, the perkiness of their tits, <laughs> and also how hairy their quote-unquote pubic mounds are. That's yes. right, that's right. And, and you know, that's an uh, odd observation for an elderly woman to be having. But there's that scene where they're skinny dipping, and he's actually swimming underneath them, looking yeah. at them, which is actually a pretty cool kind of creepy scene. Yeah, definitely. I um, and And that is a weird scene, too, because it's like, yeah, he's like, I don't know. It's one of the things that Layman said about the book in um, a writer's tale is like how he kind of left all the um, supernatural stuff ambiguous to, you know, potentially help sales, I guess, you know, because supernatural horror in in his mind, supernatural horror is like a dirty, you know, word or whatever. Um, So, yeah, like I was thinking about that during this scene because I'm like, man, how long is this 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 hulking halfwit holding his breath, you know? (laughs) Which I was wondering as well, and they even make, they even, it's even made uh, note in the book that it's going on for several minutes, yes. that he is under the water beneath them for several minutes straight. Yeah. yeah. This does come back, back up at the very end of the book. It is all made uh, oh, yeah. clear. And, um, but that's kind of it. Uh, the entire rest of the time which a lot of people would not associate with Richard Lehman for those that have read a lot of his books. The entire first half of the book is just character development between these two families of, oh, there's, let's see here. We, you know, we have Nick, we have Alice, we have Rose, we have Julie, we have Benny, we have Scott, we have Karen. There's a whole crew of people that we are following for this first half of the book on this camping trip. And it's really just them kind of doing all of their day-to-day interactions yeah and you just the reader knows at some point that something is going to go bad here but there is really no indication that these characters even remotely feel that they're in any sort of danger no no now how did that first half of the book work for you so for me rereading it yeah yeah um so i uh i grew up doing a lot of camping and um and I just, I have a lot of fond memories of it. And so for me, like, I really kind of just like seeing these people just doing day-to-day things in the woods. And there are some, like, you know, I mean, he's not somebody you think of when you think of, like, gorgeous prose. But, like, there are some really, nice, like, good descriptions of nature in in the in, in this part as well. And I don't know. I, I kind of really vibed with it. I mean, there was a part of me that was like, okay, when's something going to happen? Because it is a Richard Lehman novel. But I don't know. I kind of just like the tone of it, you know. Um, I'm glad it ended up going where it did, you know. But uh, cause, but uh, I don't know. It was fun. It was interesting. And uh, you know, to bring a writer's tale back into it, you know, when he says like this was the first book that he wrote that was like kind of on the longer side, um, and so, like you know, I would say that you know that it actually kind of makes sense now, you know, like why, why there's so much build up because it's like, Oh, this was an early attempt at doing a, a longer novel, you know? And as he also mentions in his, um, in his reflections on this novel, that this was also his attempt at doing a straight up mainstream work that he wasn't trying to, he wasn't trying to be in the horror genre he wasn't trying to be in the crime genre. He was trying to write something that a mainstream, um, you know, reader, somebody into John Grisham, Stephen King, that would like somebody that just picks up popular p- fiction would pick this book off the yeah. shelf. And when you were talking about the descriptions of the uh, woods, my personal favorite part that really stood out to me with him actually doing a great job of describing and really using his language effectively was the scene after they are telling all the. Uh, scary stories around yeah. the campfire and then the kids go out running around in the woods at night with the flashlights and the one kid benny i believe it was benny 
uh, young boy is looking out over the lake with the flashlight and he begins to imagine what would happen if he started seeing things moving in the waters and as someone that grew up in like you know middle of nowhere that literally grew up in the woods that very much yeah. evoked a lot of like memories of me over like what it feels like in the woods at night that is just so dark and when, yeah wherever your light is shining you can't see anything else other than that Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, I liked, I, yeah, I, I liked that scene a lot. I mean, and, and it, all the scenes where they're just kind of uh, telling campfire tales was just, I don't know, it, it just made me happy. I mean, and, uh, and I kind of definitely was going for that vibe in my uh, story primitive, uh, which is in Hararama, uh, a grindhouse anthology. It's an anthology, but it's only got three novellas in it. One by me, one by A.S. Coomer and one by uh, Matt Harvey who's uh, the lead singer of uh, Exhumed. Um, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, my story, yeah, it's four dudes go camping in the woods, but there's like a lot of time developed to, you know, uh, or devoted to uh, like campfire tales, you know, because I, I don't know. I really like that shit. And there is also a lot of time devoted to sex scenes, and all yeah. the male characters staying at all the female characters tits and asses I, you um, know yeah yeah <laughs> um i will say and 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 you know i i i'd have to reread some of his other stuff to 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 remember it more clearly i will say the 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 women are a little pervy in this one too, at least, you know, I mean, there's, there's, Oh yes, they are. Oh yeah. yes, they are. There is, I, I have notes about it. That Karen keeps, there is specific mentions from the very beginning of when she's introduced of Karen wondering about the size of Nick's cock. That yes. is explicitly brought up again and Often. again and yes. again. <laughs> so everyone is horny in this book. Everybody. So it's very equal Even the kid. opportunity. What was that? Even, even the fucking kid is horny. Yes, yes, even the kid is horny. Yes, we keep the kid is like is like having like sexual fantasies about the chick his the dad is seeing, and it's like, yeah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then it culminates into basically the exact halfway point of the book is where I'd argue that the actual story, the actual plot line of the book starts. And yeah. do you want to describe what happens there or would you, or do you want me to? Yeah. So, uh, it's Karen, right? Is the, uh, yes. I guess the protagonist, um, she is in the, she's in her tent and she gets assaulted by the, uh, hulking halfwit. And Merle. Earl. Earl is the name Merle. of the, Merle, that's right. Of the halfwit. And when you say assaulted, it, explicitly she is beaten and raped by him yeah beaten and raped yeah um lots of uh, biting um and uh yeah then he ends up getting killed by one of the teenage boys like you know uh when they're trying to chase him out of the tent like it ends up being one of the young younger kids who who ends up offing the guy yes, and um i'm trying to see if i have uh Oh man, I didn't actually write down exactly which, but it is one of the younger characters um, yeah. hit in the chest with a hatchet. Yeah. And it's a it's a fatal chest wound with a hatchet, and it's because of um, one of the other female characters that Karen is sharing the tent with goes in, interrupting the rape, and oh, right. this causes this basically causes the whole camp to go into chaos, and the male adult males are unable to get them under control, and one of the kids. Fast thinking grabs the hatchet and into Nails the chest him. of of the the feral halfwit. Uh, yeah, this is described on the back cover of the book. <laughs> um, and yeah, and so they think that you know, I mean, that they've they've eliminated the threat, and so they're um, they're kind of gathering their wits about them after this awful thing has gone down and then the body goes missing and <laughs> they, they have their backs turned and they they all are they're all just kind of trying to collect themselves and when they and make sure everyone else is okay and when they turn yeah. around his body is just gone yeah 
And as they're searching for it, the uh, the the mother, the witch, uh, you know, places a curse on them. I guess at some point she got all their she got some of their hair and blood. Yes. You know. Yeah, it's it's actually not really made explicitly clear how that yeah. happened, but she manages to um, get a hold of some part of their each person's physical body, except for the character of Nick. He's the only one that the witch has not managed to get a part of. It's not really known how, and in the chronology, it doesn't quite make sense. And I'm not really sure if that was a mistake on Layman's part or if that was just done intentionally vague on purpose to make it spookier. Yeah. Um, Oh, he mentioned. He does manage to get a sampling of each one of the uh, each one of the people there. Yeah, and so that's kind of the. you know, they they end up leaving after she leaves, you know, she like and and then I guess the second half of the book, which is not only where you describe that this that's when the story actually starts, yeah. uh also in a writer's tale, like if you read his description of this book, it doesn't mention the first half at all. It says these people no. go into woods and end up get in some trouble and the trouble follows them. Like that's all he says about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's he sums up the book as a group of people who get cursed by a witch and then having to wrestle with is this curse real or not and if it is what do they do and that's literally the second half of the book first half of the book has no, no magic no supernatural except for as we said how is the Merle character holding his breath underwater for so long yeah <laughs> yeah um so, yeah. So then the book actually starts, and I actually have to admit, when I was like rereading this for the point of the show, that first half, I was actually kind of wondering, like, have I actually read this book before? Because I was like, I don't remember any of these characters. I don't really remember anything going on. And like, because I kept thinking Dark Mountain, and they're out camping. I'm like, okay, I remember all these other Richard Layman books that take place in the woods. And I kept trying to be like, I kept trying to place this in the context of his woods stories. And then yeah. halfway through the book, it goes back to um, suburban California with the curse starting to go around. And then it was like, oh, now I remember this book. I remember what happens now. Yeah. But it, it had been a, a decade since I had read this, probably. I, I probably read it when Leisure first did that oh, cool. uh, release in uh what was that uh 2009 that that would have been when i read it. i believe i read that yeah. right when leisure released it um but yeah no that first half though i have to admit doesn't really make much of an impact on me like i no, think no. it dragged a bit long and could have used yeah some scenes cut out of it which we'll get to that like towards the uh i have a note it, about something that layman said that interestingly like yeah like i i almost feel like the uh you know what what happens you know where you know like where you say the book actually starts would have been a pretty cool chapter one if like he just like started there you know shit going down you know (laughs) well he i feel like he could have started with the rape of karen and the attack on the camp because the book does start yeah. off with an attack on the camp and they rape. That's the opening yes. scene of the book. It's characters who are literally never, ever mentioned again. Right. And um, so, like, we could have started there. It, admittedly, it would have been on the shorter side, but I felt like he could have put a lot of that character development, which we get in that first half, in their, in their, in their spurs with what's when things start to actually happen. Yeah. So, like, let's get to that. So, like, the curse that's placed on them, they all essentially get a bad luck curse yeah. on them, which uh, manifests itself in different ways. Um, Karen uh, falls in the bathtub and knocks herself unconscious and almost drowns. Um, Alice, who's a mom character, and Rose, which is a daughter, hit a jerk, which is actually, I think, the best scene in the book hit a yeah. German shepherd and the dog gets disemboweled. The kid freaks out and won't accept that it's dead. So they put it in the car to take it to the vets to kind of oh, like, right. like, Oh, all right. Like, I guess, like, I guess I have to, 
uh, like deal with this because my kid's freaking out. They're in the front seat driving to the animal hospital. And then suddenly the disemboweled dog either A, becomes conscious again or comes back to life and begins oh. attacking them in the car with its <laughs> intestines falling out all over the place. All and over the place. ends with the mom falling out of the car, fighting off the dog, and the daughter having to repeatedly slam the car door on the dog's head that she was trying to save to completely kill it, to smash yeah. it in its head. And I'm like, okay, and I was like, all right, now we're in a Richard Lehman novel. Yeah. Now we're now we're having some fun here. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then I guess the first real, like, I actually have all the curse stuff written here in notes in order. And then the third curse thing, which is actually begins making it clear we're dealing with, like, yeah, there's supernatural shit going on, is Benny, the young boy, um, is the first one that kind of gets the idea of, like, oh, shit, we're cursed. And he goes to right. a library to research it. And he gets attacked by a witch in the library in a scene that is, honest God, very reminiscent of the opening scene of the movie Ghostbusters. Except Richard Lehman <laughs> wrote this book one year before Ghostbusters came out. So it's very unlikely there was any influence. But I was very much reminded of Ghostbusters. He has to go into the lower levels of the library and it's just him wandering around and hearing strange noises. And then... The, the there's a woman walking like moving around the back yeah. of the stacks who then comes through the stacks at him it's the only scene of ghostbusters yeah definitely <laughs> that's awesome um and then we also have like the things of um oh the also what i thought was a really effective scene julie who's also another one of the younger characters she's swimming in the pool and her body begins to cramp up and she begins to start drowning. Oh, yeah. But it's also vaguely yeah. implied through her, through the way it feels that she might be getting, it feels like something is pulling her down, which also I thought was like a very effective de descriptions because it's like, is she actually, is her body just randomly cramping up or is essentially like invisible ghost witch trying to purposely hold her underwater before she's rescued by another family member? Yeah, yeah. Now, there's, like, something that happens on a date, too, right? Uh, yes, yes. Um, Julie and Nick go on yeah. a date, and they go out to a make-out point, and the valves of their tires are clipped off. And they have no choice, because, remember, this is early 1980s. This book is written and takes place. Cell phones ain't a thing. So they have to go walking, and the closest house they come to and this was also a scene was like, oh, I totally remember the scene. I have definitely read this book before, where an obese, an obese, naked, bald man wearing like a kimono robe um, yeah. attempts to let them in, and he's just totally silent and just gestures at things, and randomly he starts attacking That's them, trying right. to murder them. And there was a neat little detail that. I definitely, I don't think I got the first time I read it, or if I did, I didn't remember it at all, where he keeps mentioning uh, once they get this thing under control and essentially Julie and Nick are able to fight him off, um, he starts crying and saying, I couldn't help myself. I couldn't help yeah, myself. Yeah, yeah. Which vaguely implies to me, in the context of everything else, that this guy got possessed. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's easy with Richard Lehman to go to the easy thing of like, oh, Richard Lehman just threw in another random rapist, which he's wont to Fair. do. Yeah. <laughs> but, but when he's like, I couldn't help myself, I couldn't help myself, I'm like, I think it was meant to imply that this guy got possessed. Yeah, yeah. That's fun. Because, I like because that. he lets Julie call for help for the broken down car before he starts attacking them. So if he wanted to get away with yeah. it, he would not let the person start having a conversation with family members over the phone giving directions to where they're lost no definitely not definitely not like, i thought i thought that was a really really effective scene yeah yeah there's yeah uh, yeah once yeah he he writes those action like in or or you know suspense scenes like just really well you know like they're oh, just yeah they're just really tight like they're just they just move so nicely and so then after that attack, there's also, though, the uh, one character's father, the um, who gets shot by a prowler, that there's oh, the, whole, right. the the LAPD helicopter doing a yard-to-yard -yard search. 
and it basically induces non-flashbacks, and yeah. there's actually the Prowler that gets into a shootout with the helicopter in their front yard, mm-hmm. and he has a PD- PTSD freak out, charges the person and gets shot. Um, Man. It's like, what the fuck? There's like a Rambo movie happening in my front yard, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that scene was nuts, though I have to admit... I think it would have been a little bit cooler if they did actually have the helicopter crash into the house like he was yeah. like the guy was worried about. Because I'm just like, you're writing the book. You have no budgetary constraint. Let's yeah. go all fucking out have all their out. home destroyed. Yeah, and... go all out. And then that gives us gets us to the climax of the book where uh, several of the characters are now all convinced, like, yes, we have been cursed by a witch because... All the events we just described all happen in the course of about 24 hours or yeah. 48 hours. They're ha- they happen within just one or two days. And they're like, okay, this isn't just bad luck. We're all almost dying. Like They all had a, happened. They all had 2020 packed into a, packed into a two-day period. <laughs> into two days. So then they get to start to get their vengeance to take out the witch. Yeah. And they go back into the woods where then the book climaxes in zombie attack. Zombies, yes. Uh, which zombies. I did not see coming. Like, that was no. just totally <laughs> no. blindsided me. Um, and I loved it. I loved it. I was just so silly. Like, I was like, is this happening? Like, the, the quaint book that had, like, you know, the people town campfire stories, like, now we're... <laughs> yeah, now it's all, all a zombie attack in the woods, which is kind of implied that it's past victims of this witch and her son... Her son is also part of the attack, and it's implied that yeah. he's become befied, if he wasn't already, because mm-hmm. of the whole being able to breathe, uh, not breathe, but being able to stay underwater for so long. Um, yeah. And so it's just strips zombies coming after the people, and it culminates in then the witch being disemboweled, um, limbs broken, and then having her head bashed in with a hatchet, which finally breaks the curse and all the zombies crumple, and ending with everyone, a, a surprisingly happy ending for a Richard Layman book where a vast majority of the characters make it out quote-unquote okay. Like, yeah. They have all their limbs and will heal, so... <laughs> I mean, they're all going to mentally suffer from the experiences they went through, but it's not as bad as what Richard Lehman has put a lot of his other characters through in a lot of his other books, which future episodes of the show, I'll definitely be talking about some of the more fucked up ones. Yeah, yeah. But this, this, I was really surprised to revisit it, is not, like, you know, when you first uh, suggested this one, I was like, okay, cool, but I didn't really remember it that well. And like I said earlier, like when I started rereading it, I was like, I'm not sure I've actually read this one. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because at the end of it, uh, Richard Lehman is very much known for his just, especially like what his legacy has become, crazy balls to the wall, violence and sleaze and degradation. And that is all in this book, but it's very much more on the mild side of yeah. how far he normally goes. That was kind of why I wanted to do it. I mean, I love the extreme stuff, you know, but like... I, I have a feeling like you're going to be talking about that every episode, you know, <laughs> every other episode. Yeah, no, this, so this I'm is a just really like, good one to ease into things. Yeah, I was like, I kind of want to like have the outlier episode, I guess. You know? <laughs> um, no, the outlier episode will be when I do is a children's Christmas book. Oh yeah, <laughs> remember that? That is a thing that does exist. I didn't know that. That's insane. Uh, it's that's... an art book with um, Alan Clark doing all the il- paintings for it. Wow. Damn. Yes, that will be that will be coming up. Um, and I am good friends with Clark, so hopefully I'll be able to have him on this show to discuss that book with me. But oh, that'll yeah, we'll be see. Cool. We'll see. But you gonna have so... anybody do the uh, the young adult books that he did too? Like I- I'm gonna wait. To, like like. That's something I'll wait for later. A while in the future here, like we'll we'll see if the show does well enough and there's enough demand for more content after I work my way through all the rape and torture and monsters, and sure. then if people are still asking for more. Maybe we can get to the young adult books. <laughs> um, yeah. But overall, um, overall, how how did what did you think of it about revisiting it for this show? The overall the book as a whole. 
as a whole, I'd say it's a pretty good book. I mean, it's um, it's definitely not uh, one of his more extreme ones, and I mean, there's and I don't I, and I don't even think it's one of his best. Um, but it's it's interesting to me because I think it's it really shows him like kind of trying new things, you know, because it was uh, what his third published book. Um, I don't know about published. Oh, that's a good detail. Yeah. Um, I don't know about actual published, but it was his twelfth written book. Interesting. And the previous eleven did get published, but I am not sure in what order things actually came out in. Um, that's actually a really great yeah. question. But um, it was his twelfth book that he wrote. Um, so he'd been trying, and you know, um. I wanted to, you know, bring up about. I think it was also a really good book to pick. That he talks about it in uh, a writer's tale. That, yeah. Um, that this book was heavily influenced by advice he got from Dean Koontz of all people. Yes. And that uh, Koontz gave him advice on how to write an essentially more quote unquote mainstream uh, novel, and in particular to slow things down. And mm-hmm. Layman himself considered this a turning point with his writing in yes. which that he kind of felt like he leveled up as he didn't use that term. That's my term that he leveled <laughs> up as a writer and that it very strongly influenced the entire rest of his career. And looking back on that, I can see that very much. Yeah. And there's a section here that I from a writer's tale that I want to read that I think is really insightful. And just quick note. Remember, the book was originally written under the title Tread Softly. Yeah. So when he says Tread Softly in this excerpt, he's referring to the book we're talking about, Dark Mountain. Mm -hmm. So, quote, Because it was to be a much longer book than usual, I wanted a, quote, infinitely expandable, end quote, plot. I'm always looking for infinitely expandable plots. Such a plot is one with a loose structure, one that permits the writer to add episode after episode after episode until he gets to the size or scope he's looking for. In Tread Softly, for instance, the plot needed to include examples of incidents going terribly wrong due to quote-unquote the curse. I needed several such incidents, but there was no limit to how many I could use. This gave me the freedom to make the book pretty much as long as I wished. Which... Looking on the book for good or bad, I very much see that. Yeah. And in the first half of the book, he's doing those infinitely expandable incidents, which is having character interactions, and where a lot of people be like, "Oh, I like having deep characters in books." I'm like, "Nah." The first half, the character stuff is the characters are horny. Like we get that. We get that yeah, 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 yeah. fucking quickly. And I kind of wish we would have gone down more. Uh, like I really dug the second half with all the bad luck curses, and I kind of wish we would have seen more curse stuff. Well, yeah, because the even that 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 little passage you just wrote or uh, read, um, it uh, it's it sounds like I don't know if he describes it as if the the curse stuff was going to be the infinitely expandable part, but the final yeah. product is the setup is the infinitely expandable part, I guess. Um, you know, I wanted to ask you, because uh, I know you did a little bit of extra research, uh, it, and I didn't find it in a writer's tale, but um, the book opens with a poem. Is that his? Okay. See, I was trying to search for that as well. Yeah. And I am inclined to believe that is his poem. And here, Simply because me... he doesn't credit anybody, I guess, like that, you know, but... There, there's no accreditation of it, and when I attempted to search for it, um, I could not find uh, I could not find any uh, anybody else having written that poem, cool. and in fact, the only references I could find to it on a in searching online was uh, Richard Layman's Dark Mountain. So here, for the sake of everyone, uh, for the sake of everyone, let me quick up the poem here and we can reflect on that very briefly beware on your journey tread softly with care beware of the hag in their dark mountain lair speak only in whispers don't wander alone take heed of the shadows watch out for the crone she waits and she wants you she knows you are there take wonder alone tread softly with care cool 
I think that has to be for. I think he had to have written that for this book. Yeah. Because that is the plot. That is like the definitely the plot of the, plot of the, book. Of the book. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it'd be. You know, you asked me about like the overall feeling. Um, like I think you know from like a strictly critical eye, like you know, and I and I think like you probably run into this too, like you know having been writing our own stuff for like however long, like we kind of were like, okay, well, how would I have done it differently? You know, whatever. I, I think if you would have like, maybe, cause I still like a lot of the first half quite a bit just because it's, you know, uh, you know, I think there are some gorgeous descriptions of camping and all that stuff. Uh, but I do think if he cut it in half, like he'd probably have like a, uh, like cut that first half in half. And then I don't know. There's just all kinds of, Thought. I found it a really interesting one to start off here in my deep dive into the uh, works, the bibliography of Richard Lehman, because of like that quote I read from him talking about the infinitely expandable. Yeah. And and how this feels very much like the first half is, is its own thing and the second half is, is its own thing. And reflecting on a lot of the Richard Lehman books I love, they very frequently feel like two separate novels yeah. that are running next to each other that then come together at the end. And this seems to be him beginning to first experiment with that structure of having two dramatically different stories, even if they have the same characters, but dramatically different feels, dramatically different tone and content, and then having them coalesce together in the end. Yeah. And I feel he would later in his career end up doing that much more successful in a number of other stories. But it's really interesting here that by his own admission, this is kind of his first time trying that out. Yeah. This is him kind of laying the seeds for what would really define, define himself as a novelist. Definitely. Definitely. I, it's, I love, I love that. Like, I love seeing stuff like that, you know, like that kind of, Stuff that either, like, is, like, okay, this is where they're really trying to, like, find their footing or, like, I don't know. Like, just, I like I like reading early stuff from people a lot for that reason because you get to see how they change and evolve and, I don't know, that's fun. I mean, it was, I don't know. Like, I mean, I feel like I could have, I could have chosen an Island or Traveling Vampire Show or, or Night in Lonesome October, but, like... I, I, I don't know. I kind of felt like everybody would want to choose those, you know? <laughs> so I wanted to choose something different, you know? And I, and I have, um, and, um, you know, a little spoiler for like moving forward here, just as I talk to you and other writers I'll have on here, I'm encouraging people to pick like their personal fan favorites. Yeah. That, like, yes, everyone loves a seller. Everyone loves the Island, but it's like, what are the, some of the little ones that, you love that nobody else really talks about. Like for me, I don't know if you read it, but I love Quake, and nobody ever fucking mentions Quake. I've not ever. read that one, but uh, after I, I, I have yet to meet someone who's read Quake, so and I love it. After so. I read the write up about it in a writer's tale, I was like, I need to read this fucking book. Like this sounds insane. It's insane. Like <laughs> yeah, it's so insane. So if any horror writers end up watching this and want to talk about Quake for a while, you know, hit me up online. I'm pretty easy to find. Hit me up. Yeah. But yeah, but back to back to Dark Mountain here. Um, uh, so like looking over the book, I was trying to pick out some of what my like standout creepy moments were, some of the best horror moments. It's, it is a horror novel. Yeah. Um, and you know the two, I th I thought that. I should say the three most effective moments in the book for me was um, one we've already talked about, which was the uh, attack by the obese fat man in the house after their car has the tire valves snipped. That's yeah. a very intense, very well done suspenseful scene. Oh, yeah. Uh, another one was when we've already kind of been dancing around this, when they were sitting around the campfire telling the ghost stories. And weirdly enough, that scene where they talk about the th the guy tells the story, I forget which character is telling it, but of the three campers out, yeah. and two of them go for a walk and never come back, and the third goes searching for him and just finds scarecrows wearing their clothing. Yeah, yeah, dude. And I'm like, oh, that is so creepy. Yeah, and I think the story was told by the uh, the guy with the the PTSD, the uh, I forget his name. Uh, is that the Flash? Flash, yeah, 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 yeah. And then my vote for most fucked up scene in the book, and also one that I thought was creepy, 
was the very beginning of part two of the book. This is after the rape attack scene there, back to civilization, and Karen, who's a character that's been raped and bit all over, is being examined by a female deputy and calls the teeth marks quote-unquote beautiful. And she's admiring the teeth marks. Oh, my God. And the God. reason she's doing that is because they're so clear and well-imprinted that it'll That's be really right. easy to identify the perpetrator. And the female deputy is just so emotionally Which, not there at all. It's just, you know, it's just living... And it's so clinical, and it's like, oh, uh, yeah, look, it's just, just, it's, just, it's just proof positive that uh, that the uh, that no matter what you run into, a, a cop is way scarier. Yeah, <laughs> even in the eighties, horror writers are being like, cops are creepy. Yeah, and yeah, it's, do you remember that though? The female deputy like admiring the teeth marks. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's like, oh, yeah, <laughs> and. Were there any other scenes that we didn't get to that really stood out to you as like effective or as creepy or unnerving? <laughs> um, you know, I mean, I guess creepier or, or, or effective are probably the wrong words for this, but I thought the uh, a lot of the interactions between the uh, the 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 mother and the son were I, I thought they were like just kind of funny and like just weird. <laughs> just he's just I don't know, like just clearly like just yells at him for like being horny all the time and just uh, oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> it's just so weird dude like just i don't know she's just really on him and about how he's like always listens to his dick and just like needs to stop because he's ruining everything and he needs to stop blaming uh who did they, did they have a name for the god did they, uh, uh, or did they just call him him like they just call him him. They just call him him. And you're, okay, you're talking yeah. about you're talking about um, Merle and Eddie, who are the two backwoods yeah. people. Yeah. Yeah. No, they, it's only ever referred to as him because I kept okay. trying to figure out if if he was referencing some sort of real, like, like real pagan religion or some made up thing that maybe has its roots in movies or something or other genre literature. No, it's just only ever referred to as him. They worship. Him and him sends them messages. Interesting. Yeah. But yeah, no, she's she's constantly on him about his dick. Yeah. <laughs> and he gets very embarrassed at times. As, yes. As any man would be with if their mom kept yell if your mom kept yelling at you about your dick, yeah. you would not be you would not be okay with Not that. okay at all. Not okay. No, in all fairness, we are implied that this guy is a serial rapist murderer, so yeah. it's not that she's wrong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh man, yeah, that's uh. It's so a... speaking of cringy stuff, I've got an exchange here that I had to I had to write down in my notes. Oh yeah, when yeah. I came across this because we've also been praising here, um, Layman as a writer, but there's no denying that anyone that's a fan of Layman, he can pull out some really fucking cringy lines yeah. at time and some really fucking cringy dialogue, especially anything related to sex. Yes, of course, the very famous. Layman's very favorite term, rump, appears throughout the entire so, book. I wanted to bring that up, too. I'll bring that up after you read this part, though. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Before I get to that, though, I thought the cringiest exchange was between Karen, the character who's been raped, and Scott, which is her love uh, love interest. Yeah. And uh, Karen, this is when she's, like, getting back to normal after getting back from the trip. Uh, one of the – I forget which family, but they have a uh, backyard pool – and she's get wearing a bikini to go swimming, and you know it's a normal, normal um, thing. And she, um, they're having a private moment together, and he, she catches him staring at her. And remember, this is post the rape beating, just a few days. So yeah. you know her face is swollen; she's covered in bruises and marks and teeth bites and that. And she says, "Quote, you're staring at the bruises." He responds with, "Quote." Nope, at your full, firm breasts. Now, we're both in uh, long, committed relationships with significant others, and both of us are straight, so they are women. Have you ever tried to woo your significant other by talking about her full, firm breasts? Because I never have. That is not... 
that's not the language I would use. No, it's it, it's that's all that's like I don't know, that's weird like cuz it's like it's like Full clinical. Press. That's <laughs> it's like it's like yeah, it's like weirdly it's like a clinical term almost like, right? Like but I, I'm just used to seeing something like that in like exposition by cheesy writers, but this is dialogue. Yeah. This is what one character is saying to another character, and then they're both like oh, yeah. together. And it's like Okay, that's a little weird. Oh, and then there's the whole thing where he tells, "Oh God, dude, I can go on and on about it." There, there's he tells them, he tells her about the uh, the dream he had where she shaves her pussy. Oh God! And that goes on <laughs> for like and on. ten and it's pages. A, and it's a reoccurring joke. It's a reoccurring joke in it. Yeah, yeah. Weird. Now keep in mind, this was like the you know early '80s, so we just got out of the '70s big full Bush era. Sure. So like like that was a bit more exotic. That's true. And exciting That's true. at the time, I guess. But still, though, like like her shaving her her genitals really does not matter, especially for the amount of time that it's the number of times that is brought up through the course of the story. <laughs> so the um. I was gonna. Which also, though, I think I kind of love all this shit. Though, I do too. Because it's like it's like firmly '80s fucking exploitation and sleaze. Right. Like I'm not. I'm not like it's saying its own special uh, flavor. Yeah. This is like. I mean, we should be clear. Like, this isn't like cancel R- Richard Lehman hour. Like, this is like. No. That's kind of funny. You know. No. No. This is what makes. This is part of what makes Richard Lehman awesome. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Like if you, if you go back and watch like a lot of those like this movie this book I'm sorry. Felt very heavily influenced by like '80s and '70s slasher films. Yeah, and a lot of people say like they love them, but haven't really watched them in a long time. Sure. And if you go back and watch, especially the unedited ones, not the ones that are shown on TV, the actual unedited ones, as they were shown in theaters, they are very sleazy. Yep. They are very sexual <laughs> in a disgusting type of way. <laughs> I was born in 1984, and this book is, like, very heavily, I feel, influenced of, like, the slashers of the 70s and 80s. And I'm not sure how much people actually, when people say they love slashers, I'm not sure how much they really remember slasher movies. Like, the actual unedited movies, uh, not like what's shown on TV that's edited, but the actual real things. And they are very sleazy and crude and extremely sexual and i don't know if at the time if that was viewed as sexy i'm really inclined to think it wasn't i'm really inclined to think it was another layer of disgust that was piled on top of everything else Mm. and i think like he nails that yeah and it's its own special flavor that you know you don't really see too much these days except for you know Great depraved writers like uh, Edward Lee and Ryan Harding really, <laughs> really have fun with that. And, um, uh, you know, movies that like um, uh, stuff like The Trauma still puts out. Yeah. And you got we got in the 2000s, like in the torture porn era, that the way the sexuality is handled in this book is very much in that way where yeah. it's sexuality is just one more layer of disgust and uncomfortableness to just layer upon everything else sure just make the reader feel dirty yeah and that's something i love i love absolutely absolutely i was gonna say like he um you know we were talking about rumps earlier um and uh let's talk about yeah let's talk about rumps i actually lost count of how many times it's used and i was like thinking you know the first time i read it like i didn't know where in his career it was and i guess i still don't i thought it was Maybe an early published one, but maybe not. Um, I was like, okay, he wrote this under a pseudonym. Like, the amount of times Rump is used, like, people would know this was fucking Richard Lehman. <laughs> <laughs> well, it does explain a lot when it turns out that the pseudonym, the pseudonym was only for contractual reasons due to this bizarre hardback paperback yeah. deal. Um, because... Yeah, like, and like, I don't think he could write a, 
a book without using rump in it like we'll see how the children's christmas book yeah, goes. yeah. if rump makes an appearance in there then I'm, I, I have to be honest i'm gonna have to applaud him to be like yeah. good job you managed to do it <laughs> but... i i wrote a um uh, a short story i say short story but it's like ten thousand words that was like kind of a, a layman tribute but i only used rump once because i was like you know what you didn't use it enough yeah i didn't use it enough but it's only ten thousand words so i don't know <laughs> <laughs> Layman would he would have found found a way to use it every thousand words, I guess. Oh yeah, and that's right. Like almost every female character in the book is introduced wearing only underwear. Yeah, that's true. Holy shit, I didn't notice that. That's yeah. funny. Because <laughs> they're all introduced getting dressed. Oh yeah. And so that gives Layman the the time to then describe their bodies. Though, as you said, we do also get a lot of descriptions over um the male characters pipes they have in there yeah so yeah i would say this one is for the dick yeah this the pipes this one is a lot uh you know it's definitely a lot more uh equal opportunity objectifying than us than some of his others i guess yeah yeah i, I um i'm gonna be really curious on revisiting his work here how much that holds up but i definitely don't remember this much description of male members as saying oh. like um the seller um, well, actually, no, I take that back because there actually is a lot. And I don't want to spoil that for anyone who hasn't read that book. Yeah. That's actually a plot point. <laughs> um, but in other books, I don't remember that many descriptions of uh, of Cox. I don't no, remember no. that. Man. Man, I just realized I am not going to be able to monetize this on YouTube at all. But that's all right. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, no. That's, uh... It's a good idea for a show, though, man. I mean, people, I mean, Layman still has a lot of fans, you know, and uh, I, did you ever meet him? No. Me neither. No, I, um, I, I never had the opportunity to meet him. I was not involved, actually, in, like, the horror scene, horror industry. Hell, I wasn't reading his books until after he had already passed yeah, away. Yeah, yeah. I was completely unaware of him. So, no, I never had the opportunity to meet him. That's one of the things I'm also looking forward to in doing the show, and future episodes actually being able to discuss people who um, yeah. not only worked with him but also knew him on personal levels so it'll be interesting to see uh if any of them can provide some insights e on to because everyone man they've got to have been teasing him over over the oh rooms. sure everybody i've talked to and... says that he was like the sweetest guy oh, yeah man. no he was known for being a very nice kind like uh, great person great person though like you know he had a sleazy side, at least inside his brain he did. Ooh, hey, he put it in the book. I kind of love it. He put it in the work. I love yeah. it. I love it. You, uh, you, you got to write this so, sleazy shit so you don't uh, be a sleazeball in real life. Move on from the move on from the book here, at least in terms of the text. One thing that I want to talk to you about everyone with the books they pick is it's very well known that there is almost no media adaptations of layman's books yeah for reasons i have no idea why um i i am personally of the argument that almost his entire bibliography would make for fantastic movies and dark mountain i totally see this working as a movie yeah how like it reminded me a lot of um it it was a movie but it was also a book and i actually had to look it up to see if it was influenced um stephen king's aka richard bachman's Thinner, oh yeah. Which, which actually was published a year after he Layman had finished writing Dark Mountain. No shit. So it, once again, had no influence, but it was actually there's some similar stuff going yeah. on there. And second half of the book also gave me a lot of um, uh, drag me to hell. Vibes. Yes, yes, definitely, definitely. Because a whole curse thing and that like really gave me uh, those vibes. So. Dark Mountain were to be made into like a movie, who would like? Who would you want to see do it, or how would you want to see presented? Or... Oh man, um, you know, I brought up uh, I brought up that movie just before dawn um, earlier. Yeah. You know, Jeff Lieberman. Um, I think he would do a really Wait, good job is with he it. The same guy who did uh, uh, Satan's Little Helper. Sir? Uh, Satan's Little Helper, oh, yeah. Blue Sunshine, and Squirm, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I can't believe I was able... 
I can't believe I was able to play Squirm of all of his titles. Squirm's great, man. No, but he uh, he just has a very distinctive uh, style, and I think it would lend itself well to something like this. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think it'd be really fun. I mean, I think uh, especially the, the 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 way it climaxes with them all going back for revenge, only to be met by zombies. Like what? Like <laughs> yeah. I, I I think it's just uh yeah I think just um I don't know as long as that element of surprise like you know is is kept intact like I think it'd be a really effective film. I think I think producers in Hollywood or filmmakers really fucking miss their mark in not doing this adaptation of this in the eighties as yeah. part of the slasher. Boot. I mean that's why because I yeah. I can so so see an adaptation of this. If they just made like the first half of it a bit leaner, make make, make it just like a half an hour, um, you know, you can have that opening scene with the two characters who get killed and raped and then never seen again, and then there's those three girls who just wander away. We have them killed and raped too. This is how you up the body count, yeah. and then you have like do that all in the first half an hour. Yeah. End of Act One, climax the battle with the and then ending with the curse act two and three we get into the curse and zombies like yeah it's all right there and i could totally see this as something like joe bob like showing oh, now joe on, bob would get a kick out drive of in on shutter and it's like can't believe no one ever fucking made movies uh well that's not true there was one movie but i'm saving that for yeah. something later in the future i'll tell you it off the i mean i know what it is because I, I i think okay. i I think I know what it is, but yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but there was one movie, and that's it. And it just boggles my mind yeah. so much that there wasn't anything else. Yeah, it's weird because, like, I mean, like, some would say, I don't know. Like, I could see somebody saying, oh, his stuff was controversial. But, like, I mean, there's plenty of... Not really. Not, not compared to a lot of stuff that got made at the time, I think. It's not conver- controversial com- compared to things made at the time. And, yes, there is this very violent deviant sexuality that's in all of his work but if you read uh, a lot of authors of the 70s and 80s and the paul Parra scene which layman very much is that's extremely common that was like it was yeah it was a style of the time no it was it's, to have this deviant violent sexuality. like all the uh i mean jesus christ like all of stephen king's stuff has it they just don't put that in the movies you know <laughs> That's true. That's true. It's in every Stephen King book. That's just the scenes that get cut out of more than yeah. movies. You're 100 percent right. I, I was. Yeah. Yeah. It's. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's that's interesting. You know that. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I had more thought there, but I do not. <laughs> but yeah, overall, this was a really fun way to uh, dive into this beginning of exploring his career and trying to approach it with a bit more uh critical analytical yeah. eye than i originally did and so this is this i really like your pick i really like this cool. as a way to start things off yeah so, i'm honored you chose me for uh, the inaugural episode man that's great <laughs> well thank you for being yeah. here i guess then to end things um i'm gonna give you two questions here on ending things so we know now all of your feelings are in Dark Mountain, but if someone were to ask you for recommendations of Richard Layman books, what would you actually personally recommend? And then okay. after that, what do you want to pimp, if anything? All right. So I would definitely recommend uh, I recommend Traveling Vampire Show because that like is a way it kind of. Um, I don't know, like, it, it, it's a good way to kind of ease your way into some of the more, uh, depraved stuff, because it's, uh, it's, it's definitely in there, but it's also kind of a, like, really touching coming-of-age story, you know, (laughs) um, and, uh, and it's definitely, uh, but it definitely doesn't, uh, pull punches when it's time to punch, I guess, um, or maybe, and I would definitely have to throw Island up there too. I mean, everybody loves Island, right? I mean, that's just everyone. Everyone loves Island. You know, like it's it just feels so. I don't know. It kind of embodies everything that he's kind of known for, 
uh, like just in this one book, you know, like it's all there. <laughs> and I will definitely be talking about it later with who knows who. Yeah. yeah. But um, I will just say quickly on Island, um, give people time to read it before doing episodes, spoiling the whole thing. That Island features one of, if not the best last lines of a horror novel ever. I agree. I agree. Um, yeah. And what about your stuff? How can yeah. people find you? And is there anything you want to? Oh gosh, here? a few things. So, um, I just came out with a collaborative novel, um, with Ryan Harding, um, called pandemonium. It's a, um, tribute to the, um, Italian demons movies. And it's set in the world of hardcore wrestling. It has probably the highest on-page body count that I'm aware of. Like, it's got... I think we kill 121 people on the page. Holy shit! Yeah, I just got my copy. I haven't started it yet, but I'm really excited. You're gonna... Really like the, and I love the Demons movies, so knowing that connection has me excited. Yes, yes. It was... Uh... Yeah, I'm really, it was the most fun I've had writing anything, and I think that's going to show, like, for a lot of readers, I think, you know, that'll kind of show through, um, and, um, yeah, I've been, uh, blogging every day at lucasmangum.com, just, uh, thoughts on writing, wrestling, um, occult, weird occult shit, um, and then, uh, yeah, I just started doing a, a vidcat, a video podcast with, um, J. David Osborne and Kelby Losack, uh, where we um, dissect like weird occult imagery and music videos and and short films, and uh, yeah, that's called a uh, white trash occultism, and uh, yeah, the first episode will probably be up by the time this airs since it's going up at midnight while we're recording this. So, <laughs> and it'll definitely be up by yeah. the time this airs. <laughs> We're, we're recording this, and uh, for anyone that's unaware, we're recording this in the beginning of January while the United States is under assault at the Capitol, and we have no idea what's going to be happening in the future. But this first episode won't be going up until a little bit later due to when I get some other things in the bag before just releasing it. All right, well, thank you so much for being here. Uh, thank you for everyone that watches this, that listens to this, and... This will be available on various video feeds and podcast feeds. So stay tuned as I am beginning my journey through the bibliography of Richard Lehman with a shit ton of all sorts of people in the horror <laughs> industry that will be popping in and out for this. Uh, for this. It's going to be a fun time. This was the Traveling Lehman yes, Show. Yes, thank you, Jeff. Until next time.